Welcome. You're about to be ushered past the velvet rope and into a world of hyper-effective salesmanship that's understood and used only by the world's most notoriously rich and successful marketers. We're taking a journey deep inside the human brain, past the surface clutter, and into the psychological insights to answer the one crucial question, what makes people buy? I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, along with the most ripped off and respected copywriter alive, John Carlton, and this is Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. It's Kevin Rogers here, along with my friend, mentor, my partner, John Carlton. How are you, bud? Hey, Swell. How are you? Good, man. It's good to be back with a fresh new episode, and we're going to touch on some things that we've covered a little bit in other episodes, but we're going to dive much deeper into the idea of reputation. What are the reputation killers uh, that people often commit unknowingly in their business. John, it's, it's, it's been amazing to me over my decade-long career now, and you've got three times that, that length in your <laughs> career. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> um, that's, a lot of it, to me, is, is intangible, especially as a freelancer, where you're largely relying on a word-of-mouth uh, lead source. Those are always the best leads when people come to you ready to go, reputation right. in hand. Uh, but man, you know, little things along the way, uh, I sometimes call them little red flags that you can raise unknowingly can really hinder your ability to be trusted and, and to be recommended. So, oh, man, I, I, I saw that so early in my career that, that writers and just anybody in business would kill promising relationships with big name people they had sought out mm. by doing something stupid and preventable and, and what should have been common sense. And that's when I realized, of course, it's not common sense. The, th- the main thing about common sense is that it's not so common. And it's 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 actually a rare thing. The the guy the the professional the true professional is is you know calling somebody a true professional is such a compliment among professionals because it's so rare. Even among professionals, half of them aren't all that professional. Right. I mean, I'm not talking out of school. I'm saying that Gary Halbert used to take me aside and and say you know. He would say, "I hate it that you meet all your deadlines. You're making the rest of us look bad." You know, and it was, it was, it was like it never occurred to me to miss a deadline. And then mm. I started realizing how many of these guys routinely miss deadlines, right. flaunted this stuff. And I realized that some people exist in a different part of the ether where they can get away with that stuff. They are more easily forgiven. But if you're basing your career on something that a guy, you know, a Hall of Fame, you know, copywriter has done. And think, well, if he did it, I can do it. Well, no, <laughs> that's that's a real mistake. And let me let me just start off, Kevin. Then then I'll, I'll hand it back over to you. But the professionals' code that I figured out when I was moving up the up the ranks was pretty simple to me, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And it kind of came out of that um, 
you know, business first philosophy that I adopted. And I was a, you know, I was a slacker and a partier. And I would happily, you know, call in sick to work, you know, a few times a year to go party or, hang, or you know, or, you know, nurse a hangover or, or just start my weekend earlier or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I became a, 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 when I decided I was going to get serious about my career, all that went aside and it was suddenly business first. No, I can't go to the party. No, I can't go out for a drink. No, I, I can't even talk right now on the phone. I'm under deadline. And this professional's code kind of worked its way into my head. Now, you know, I, I, I this phrasing is mine, but this, this goes back to, I'm sure, the, the dawn of history when the first professionals first started coming out, people you could rely on. And why can you rely on them? It's because a professional is where he said he'd be, when he said he'd be there, having done what he said he'd do. Or be prepared to do what you what you said you'd do. Mm-hmm. So this may, you know, that encompasses meeting deadlines. Mm-hmm. That encompasses meeting deadlines with a piece that you didn't just throw together at the last minute at 2 a.m. after a drinking binge. Mm-hmm. It means it's a damn good piece, the best you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you promise to do something, then you do that. And when you start becoming the kind of person who follows through on their promises, when you start actually taking your words seriously, then things change. And one of the first things that change is that you piss off all your friends for whom, you know, their word is like, you know, hey, you said you'd be here to help me move. Yeah, well, you know, Susie came by, you know, we, you know, oh, really? Well, I was stuck with, you know, having to move by myself. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a different way of living. So, so you piss off your friends and something starts to happen to you outside of your own world. People will actually start referring to you as a go-to guy, right. liable guy, a, um, you know, a, uh, a Goomba, you know, what, whatever the code is, it's a guy you can count on. Right, and, right. And, and it's, it, you, a lot of people aren't born with that. You, you can adopt it. You can say, I, you know, yesterday I was a guy you couldn't count on today and forevermore I am. That's kind of what I did. I just laid down the law to myself, drew a line in the sand that I never crossed again. Wasn't that tough? Mm, but it took a conscious effort of, of changing. And did you kind of do that knowing this is going to matter if I'm going to run myself the business of John Carlton here that I've got to, you know, I've got to be known as a reliable guy? Yeah, but it, 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 was, con- it, it was conscious in that it, for me it was business before pleasure was the big deal mm-hmm. but what that implied was everything i just talked about I, mm-hmm. I i you know the first deadline i just took really really seriously the second deadline i took very seriously it was it was a couple of years in my career before i realized there were writers out there freelance writers doing the same gig i do and who didn't meet deadlines i, I that just, it never occurred to me not not to right me. no i know hey I'm, I'm just gonna mention that you're coming in a little hot john on the oh, mic if you okay. if you have a dial in front of you um uh so there's yeah, my landline that every <laughs> everybody likes to make fun of. I bet there's a drinking game around the show by now. You know, like uh, first time you 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 reference Susie, everybody does a shot of tequila <laughs> or Susie Q. Yeah, Susie Q. Uh, every time your landline rings, that you, you, you have to chug a beer. <laughs> what else? Oh, Jesus, it's got to be a hundred. I mean, yeah, you couldn't survive a podcast without being roaring drunk at the end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of us makes a reference to '60s rock. So um, you know what it is. And there's a there's a great saying that I think is one of the truest things ever. Is that look, your character is defined by the things you do when no one's looking. And you know what I always and I tell this to my son and my daughter. I say, look, uh, that little voice in your head that's constantly 
knowing whether what you're doing is right or wrong is is your is your guide that's your beacon and believe it or not the the people that matter and will matter most in your life see the things you do by the person you are even when no one you think no one's looking or even you're sure no one's looking because it's evident in in who you are as a person every day and every 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 mile you walk you know you can't fake it uh, and the the that part about doing you know do the right thing even if you don't get credit for it even if you get yelled at for it or <laughs> right. you have to yeah. sacrifice to do it that's a different way of living your life that's yeah. that's that's you know that's great you're instilling that in your kids they're going to run into a lot of problems because there are going to be people who are going to try to get them to violate that and in fact once they realize that this is a principle of, of how they're living their lives some some people out there will make it their duty to yeah. try to make them violate it so you have to be prepared for all of no, this it's shit. true it's true uh all right so what we're going to do here is uh not to formalize this because the the rant is the magic in the show but you and i both put together sort of our top three uh, yeah. reputation makers and so, uh, no, let's rep, rep, reputation ruiners. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea was reputation killers. And I thought we could do a part two where we talk about reputation makers, but it might just be uh, obvious that you do the opposite of what we're saying here. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if that feels necessary, but yeah, I agree. I'll go first and then, sure. uh, you can go. So my, my first one is, uh, go silent. This is the my number one reputation killer is is, you know, you're in a situation uh, there's there's degrees of this violation that you can commit. But to me, the worst possible response to any situation is no response. Uh, Communication, even the simplest thing, uh, goes a long way towards, you know, relationship building, problem solving, not allowing misunderstandings to happen. Uh, it could, in the simplest form, is a freelancer running your business. John, there's this moment that happens uh, as a freelancer where you, you know, here's here's the process of getting a new client, right? You you someone recommends you, you get on the phone. You, it's like a dating process. You, you have this great right. conversation. Then you decided, let's have another date. <laughs> and now you formalize things and everything's great. And, and this person sends you a check. And then you, um, you're so into their world because that's your job. You're in research mode and you're wicked curious about their whole backstory and everything about their product. And it's, to me, part of a copywriter's job is to sort of re-engage the passion of the client about their product so you get the best stuff from them, right? So the client's just like totally enamored with this new person in their life who's so interested in everything that's going on, right? And then you bimbo out. And you totally ghost because it's time to go right, you know? And so... Now the, the clients left like the jilted lover out going, you know, telling and the, their friend will bring up at coffee. So how's that copywriter you've been seeing? You know, oh, you know, <laughs> he hasn't called in, in over a week. Uh, what do you mean he hasn't called? Well, he said he would have to, this would be when he was writing. So, oh no, something's weird. How could he just, he must have some questions, right? You know, yeah. and so like, just like, it took me years to figure out, then you'd get that, the email from the client where they're like, hey, just checking in, in and you, you can sense this little weird bit of tension. And I, duh, figured out, man, you know, I just got to send an email a couple times while I'm writing 
even if you don't have a question, make up a small question or just some point of contact to let them know, hey, the factory's running over here, just as I said. Because what happens is when there's silence on one end of a relationship, all kinds of weird paranoia sets in for the other party. Oh, yeah, people will fill in the void, you know, just make up stuff. That's where that's where rumors start to happen. So what you've done is you've lit up a personal pet peeve of almost every businessman out there who's ever been burned. And, you know, it's not just a red flag type of thing. It's mm-hmm. that you are actively engaging in the stuff that can ruin relationships and kill kill a career, really. Yeah. Yeah, going silent to me is is the is the big killer. And you know, the worst example of it is you know the person's waiting on you and you know there's a big question that needs to be answered and you decide I don't have a good answer or I don't like what I know the answer should be, so I'm going silent. And there's actually that a reason. Yeah, that just just to mm-hmm. just to jump in that that get back, gets back to being the adult in the room. Yeah, you got to suck it up. If you know, there's it's okay to say I don't know, and it's okay to to deliver bad news. This is your job. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and so it, because going silent is uh, that's when, like you said, the paranoia and the rumors start. And you know, in, in, in even in the middle ground, it could be that you have you have really great news to respond to the question with, but you you're just putting it off for a couple of days because you know it's happy news. But you know, but that person uh, has no idea that you have a pleasant reply waiting for them, and so they're just left to fester and build up this paranoia, and uh, it's the worst thing you can do. So on on one hand. You don't want to be like hyper responsive and seem totally available all the time, like people who sit on Facebook and <laughs> like things be practically before they actually go live and post. Right. But you really need to, you know, find a way to file your daily messages that absolutely require an answer and make it part of your code to answer everything all the time. Yes, to- totally agree. That actually, that. Um is is probably a you know a, a main feature is just treat your relationships like relationships. Now it's kind of funny in that we know a lot a lot of our colleagues aren't good at relationships. Period. You know they're you know they're, they botch every relationship they have. But the, with a business relationship, it's you know it's 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 easier to do because the it's you know money actually takes away a lot of the nonsense that being in love creates. You know there's more there's less drama. There's less of this pathos going on in a business relationship, even though people get all upset about money and, and all this stuff. It's just, when, when it comes down to it, it's an easy way to deal because you pay me, we're done. Okay, problem solved. You know, if, if you owed me the money. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if you know, it's, it's like you paid me some money, I clearly told you what you get for that money, and then, you know, the, the, it's a business transaction. Right. Trying to do that in a personal, you know, an interpersonal relationship is a little tougher, though the... You know, the, the analogies always hold up. It's always the same. Anytime you got two humans trying to, you know, get something going, the, the problems are, you know, physical, psychological, uh, you know, the, the history of each individual comes in. All kinds of stuff, you know, arrives to create unnecessary drama. So as a professional, it's your job to, like, minimize that, be self-aware, uh, understand what to do, and even if your client isn't meeting the professional's code, 
if they're late getting you materials, mm -hmm. if they didn't get the check there, you're still the adult in the room. Now yeah. you can you can teach them how to do it right. You can say, oh, the you didn't get the check in the mail to me. Okay, we'll have to move the deadline back. Then you realize, mm -hmm. no, I still need the stuff at you know June fifth. Well. You know, as, as I told you, I don't start writing until the check clears the bank. So you better overnight the check then instead of just mailing it to me. Cancel the one you put in the in the mail and overnight it. And well, I'll get it tomorrow and I'll, I'll get it through. And the bank tells me it's through. I'll be able to start on Friday. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Mm -hmm. You become the adult in the room. You are defining the terms as you should because often the client's kind of, you know, needing that kind of uh, almost parenting. Discipline, yeah. Yeah, discipline is the way to do it. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, oh, you want me to go through my three? Okay. Oh, really? You want me to go through yeah, one? Yeah, you, okay. you, you, you do your first one now. Yeah, my, my first one was, uh, I, I, it's funny because I was thinking about all these guys, all these mentors I've had and stuff. Mm -hmm. Number one is to, you know, number one on my scale of how to ruin uh, your reputation is be a non-productive asshole. <laughs> And the corollary of that is that being a productive asshole who gets stuff done is a totally different animal yeah. and will be tolerated and even beloved. Uh, I think the operative line there is when you're good, you're eccentric. Mm. When, you're, when you're just causing problems, you're just an asshole. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like right. this is why some of the guys who are bigger than life, some of the big mentors, some of the legends in the business stuff – you know, you know they, they they're they're kind of dicks a lot of the time. You know, they they're horrible practical jokers. They mm -hmm. they will tease you mercilessly, miss deadlines. They will blatantly, uh, you know, and spectacularly fail sometimes. But that's because they're bigger in life, and they've gotten to that point where they're eccentric. This becomes actually a lovable part of their of their personality of right. their. Of their, you know, uh, their their idiosyncrasies are are to be tolerated, but not in. If you don't have a reputation yet, and you think that you're you're going to walk around and tell people what's up and you know bludgeon them and stuff, all that stuff I told you, you know, or, or that I mentioned before about being the adult in the room, you have to reach that state. You know, there, there's a whole layer of being a freelancer where you're just a vendor where you're going to show up and you're going to do the job you were hired to do and you're not going to say that's the wrong job because they didn't hire you for that you're not getting paid for that you're getting paid to deliver copy and you're not questioning the 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 the, the guarantee or the price or the product or the or the funnel or anything you're just mm -hmm. providing the copy yeah. when you then rise above that then you become a consultant who provides writing and that's when you get the big bucks because then you come in and then you can say you know that's not the best price you know that this you know your funnel has holes in it or you know there are problems here let's resolve these problems and, and then the next step up there is some clients will contact you before they create the product because they want to know if they can sell it are they on the right track often you'll come up with the headline for the stuff and 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 help them do that so smart marketers think that about the marketing first and the product has to conform to what can be sold so you know they just know that the marketing graveyard is full of superior products that just nobody ever figured out how to sell or they came too early in the in the game you know right. kind of like lisa you know for apple you know and all that stuff right right so so that's that's my big thing it's just you know know yourself if you know it's okay if you're kind of a prickly jerk kind of kind of person 
I know a lot of people are. I, I know people have problems. You know, they're they're introverts. They they're mad at the world, but they're you know they they want to they want to write and they want to do that. You have to get out of that, and you have to put on your I'm now taking care of clients hat. And when you do that, you have to get into that relationship mode. You have to do things, and you have to lock your inner asshole up until you're at the point where it can be considered an eccentricity. Oh, I love it. Is that excellent. Makes- That's excellent. Yes, yes. Okay, great. So let's see. Uh, my number two uh, reputation killer is is talking out of school. Uh, if you prove to be a gossip uh, who can't keep a secret, and you know. Uh, the thing that happens, I think, that people don't realize is everyone you gossip to about other people or talk out of school about, um, when they listen, they may be nodding and laughing along, but right. what they're really thinking is... I'm when, never telling you anything. <laughs> not only would I never trust you, but what are you saying about me when I'm not here, right? Yeah. You inherently just know that this is this is a, 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 an equal opportunity gossip whore, and <laughs> if you, and, and you start running through your mind like, oh, what have I ever told this person? You know, and man, there, there's no way to put a restrictor plate on your trustability uh, with anyone than to you know, it's one thing for close friends after you've developed a relationship to to pull someone aside and go, oh, well, you know, the, the real story there, you know, it's one thing. And it's usually in the guise of, look, uh, you should probably know this. There's a reason for telling it, right? But, you know, check yourself. If, if you uh, find yourself very os- often whispering uh, details <laughs> about one person to another, you know, Ask yourself: Is 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 this a part of my personality that I want known? Is this is this should this be on my business card, so to speak? You know, one of the burdens of becoming a upper echelon professional is having to keep secrets, and this is something you're probably telling your kids too, Kevin. Is you know th- there is a burden to keeping a secret if you're privy to something mm-hmm. about a friend or something. And it needs to be kept a secret, no matter how much it burns, no matter how much the culture tells you, yeah, you got to tell somebody, you know, you have to, I I will go to my grave loaded with secrets that could fill a novel. I know personally that Gary Halbert did. Uh, I know other other high-end professionals that despite all their other foibles, one thing they could do is keep a secret. And they, but they knew the difference between a real secret and a, and a false secret. Right. And uh, it's just, you know, th- that's that trustworthy thing. It's hard sometimes. It's like, what do I do with this knowledge? And I've even told people, don't tell me this stuff. <laughs> I, I don't want it burdening me because, you know, and I'm, you know, now I have to, you know, I, I, I have to think, oh, okay, there's this whole file on this person I can't open around anyone else. Right. You know, and you, and you have to actively try to suppress some of this stuff. It gets easier as you go. And, you know, being able to keep a secret doesn't make you a secretive person. And it doesn't make you a, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't turn you into the big, strong, silent James Bond type who has no friends except for the women he's pursuing at the time. And that kind of, you, you can still have a full life and you can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But the difference in your reputation is profound if, if you can be the kind of guy that, that can hold a secret. Now, sometimes... 
you know, I've, I've, I go to shrinks every once in a while, but every eight years or so, I go to a, a talk therapist just to unload on, you know, and find out if I'm, you know, if my ego has taken over, if I'm on the right path. And, and we have a good time. We laugh. We talk about things. I think the therapist gets as much out of the sessions as I do. Hmm. It, because I'm not crying and sobbing. It's like we talk, you know, I'll ask him, what, what do you think about that? You know, am I just bullshitting myself? And, and, and we just dig deep. And I know that nothing's going to go past that doorway because he's, yeah. he's a professional. He's a guy I trust. And he's not going to, he's not going to tell his wife about this stuff. There's, there's a professional and he could get sued if any of this stuff comes out. Yeah. So it's like in a safe, there are safe places to be able to do that. I think that's what confession is in, in, in some, some religions. Right. And, you know, sometimes maybe you just go into a dark room, and this is where the status reports that I've had, where you write out your status reports uh, right. every Monday. You just It's a letter to yourself. Here's what's going on in my life, blah, blah, blah. It's okay to, like, put secrets and stuff in there. You can destroy that later, but your brain knows you've downloaded it. So it can kind of let go of that obsessive nature of, there's a secret. What am I going to do with the secret? I, You know, the secret is here. You know, we can't be acting normal around anybody. we got a secret to hold. You know? <laughs> yeah. It drives yeah. people nuts, you know, and right. it's like. You know, the, the only thing worse than, you know, uh, than, well, there's really nothing worse to me than somebody who blows a, a secret, somebody who yeah. who decides that your secret wasn't worth holding after all. And and they'll they'll get mad at the person who tells someone else because I told you in private, you know, I told you about yeah. about Bob's secret in private and you <laughs> told Susie, you know, and then Susie, of course, tells everybody. So on Facebook. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. I didn't know it was a secret. Uh, and, and you know uh, that's great and you know i used to have a file on my computer called the sewer and it was a place where i would rant if something was festering in me that's uh, good and i would just go crazy say what i would want to say to the person but i'm too polite to and then i would just trash it and delete it for good and it you know it's amazing how therapeutic that is yeah okay that's okay, good right, right, um that's your number two Okay, my number two is uh, the way to ruin your um, <laughs> the way way to ruin your uh, uh, reputation is to act like a sociopath. Uh, you know, you not only don't pay things forward, or you don't you know pay it backwards. You know, if somebody did you a favor, then later on you pay that favor back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you don't pay your debts. You don't do stuff. You just take. You take and you take and you take. And I've been astonished at how many people wanted, you know, thought that meeting me or having an opportunity to talk with me or do something. Uh, and I watched this with Halbert, too. They, they could only think about what they wanted from the brief relationship, whether sitting next to him at dinner or doing something. It was like, well, let's talk about me now. And they just, yeah, and they just yeah. you know, they act like a sociopath. Sociopath, of course, is a person who uh, considers other people as nothing more than uh, furniture. You know, once, once another person's serviceability has, has expired, they dump them or they, you know, they have no sense of loyalty, no sense of, of, um, of, of needing to, you know, nurture anything. Reciprocation. They, yeah. They, yeah. Reciprocation. They just take. And, um, I, I, I have a note here that, you know, acting like a sociopath is such a bad move. Even real sociopaths know to hide that tendency <laughs> when they want anything. Yeah. So a real sociopath won't act like a sociopath. Right. You know, they will actually pretend to care, you know, or, or they will do things that make it look like they care and they'll, they'll bring you flowers and they'll do stuff. They, that matters 
nothing to them mm-hmm. and your and your you know your budding love for them or or appreciation or whatever matters not a whit to them but you know people some people just don't understand the give and take nature of the let's call it the emotional marketplace out there you know uh, gurus and uh, uh, you know pe- people that you want something from clients colleagues uh, everybody out there they have needs and 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 they need you know they have feelings that need to be nurtured they have they have a lot of things going on in their life it's not always all about you in fact it's never all about you if it's always about you and the village right it's their place in the village and and it, you know everybody else that's that's that you're dealing with um, you know when one of the uh, uh, kind of cute dating tips that I remember were out even in the 60s and I'm sure it predates that was when you go out with somebody for the first time watch how they deal with like waiters and waitresses uh, doormen yeah. tax drivers how, how do they deal with the people that they don't consider essential to their existence you know are they polite are they dismissive are they rude you know th- this is an, this is a more of an insight into who they are than than spending three hours at dinner talking about you know what you want out of life and the great trip you took to Nepal one summer you know, right right, excellent. Okay, right. So your number two is uh, <laughs> acting like a sociopath. Love it. All right, here's my here's my third and final reputation killer is uh, failing to pay. You know, if you stiff a business partner or drag your feet on affiliate payments or, you know, become hard to reach after the invoice hits, which is a (laughs) famous one. Yeah. uh, Boy, it's a big love affair, you know, when you're talking about the gig. Um, Then, you know, your trust rep just disintegrates like flash paper. Uh, You know, you quickly realize. And it's just one of those places where the, the excuses become so obvious. You know, occasionally legitimate things happen. But uh, how you make it up uh, will go a long way towards maybe repairing your reputation after that. But if you're someone who chronically disappears when when the bill arrives, yeah. uh, that's bad news. Um, I actually, when you were talking about that, I actually know some people er, from early on in the uh, Internet game as it was getting going around 2004, 2005, 2006, <clears throat> when the models that we now take for granted, like affiliates and affiliate marketing and things like that, when all that was just getting going, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it came from being a gleam in somebody's eye to an actual workable uh, process. And there were a number of people that we know, uh, people in our circles, who did big projects and never paid affiliates. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I'm not going to say skated, but some, some of them actually did. Some of them mm-hmm. um, were not held accountable. They got into other, other businesses. They kind, of, they kind of slid past the um, uh, consequence cops. Right. But their reputation is soiled, and they had to move into fresher land. And one of the problems with the internet is the constantly refreshed mob in front of you. You know, if you if, mm. you know, you can have a list of a hundred thousand people become absolutely enraged at you, and you know, if you know what to do, you can replace every single one of them. You know, mm. that's a great point. Online, so right. but you know, your reputation is going to fall. It's it's like having bad products or, or something it's like i never understood marketers who understood that marketing is more important than the product but that doesn't release you from the responsibility of having a decent product because 
as any good marketer knows, your real money is going to come on the second, third, fourth, and fifth sale all through the lifetime value of a customer. That's where the real profit comes in, right. the back end stuff. So having a bad product that you know you sell and then you you get out of town never made sense to me, except for the uh, you know the sociopaths who just, that's the only way they knew how to do things. It it, it appalled them. The, the very notion of trying to create an ethical good product that did what it said it would do just baffled them. It's like, why would you do that when you can take suckers? And <laughs> I bet the people are out there like that. So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Great one. Okay, let's, uh, let's hear your... So your, your third was fail to pay. Fail to pay. Stiff, stiffing people, even dragon. Yeah, pay, pay everybody. You know, I can't tell you how many of the early guys that I've that I dealt with who I was learning about business from, because part of becoming a freelancer when I started my career was also learning about business, learning how people ran it, the difference between an entrepreneur and a corporation, the difference between a large business and a medium-sized business and a small business, and you know, it, it, and then between the ones who knew direct response and those who operated on foot traffic and all that stuff. And you know, it's it's like the good ones paid everyone else first sometimes. I mean, sometimes that wasn't necessarily even the best necessarily decision because they might go bankrupt or they might, you know, that might put them out of business. So it was really tough. But those guys, when they started another business, as as entrepreneurs tend to do, you know, they did it with a clean slate, with a clean conscience and with other people kind of rooting for them. So doing the right thing is not always, you know, is not always easy. In fact, it's often not. So all right, my uh, my third thing is a little more mundane than yours, and that's uh, you know the way to kill a reputation is uh, I'm thinking about on an individual basis is just not realizing that you're a boring doofus, not having the self awareness that you're not as funny as you think you are, you're not as clever as you think you are, and you know the worst part is is you're kind of a dick, and you know you may laugh when other people call you a dick, but you don't realize how serious they are. You're a dick. Just stop it. So, you know, it's, it's, I think the realization for a lot of people is it's okay not to be the life of the party. You know, you, you can contribute in other ways. You, you, yeah. you just being there, just listening. You know, every good guy who knows how to enthrall a room or every guy that has a story to tell needs an audience. And it's okay to be a good audience, to kind of bide your time. And reputations aren't built overnight. I, in fact, I came across this very, very recently with some friends. I'll I'll give the specific ex- example, but this is just a an example that has happened over and over and over again at seminars, in in business meetings, uh, all over the place. And and the one thing was, I have two friends. No, excuse me, three friends that I've been playing music with for decades. Uh, two of the guys, I go back to the '70s. We were in a band together back in the '70s, and we've, we're, we're you know back in college, and we've all hung together. We brought in the the fourth guy, a keyboard player, and we get together like several times a year, and we play music, and we have our certain kind of things to do, and we're very funny, and um, and, and we have our patois, you know, we have our things. Well. Mm-hmm. Another guy came over, like a neighbor, and he was welcome. We welcome, and I think he had an accordion or something. It was fine. We were going to play, you know, we were going to play like like Zydeco music. The ventriloquist of, of music, musicians, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it was fine. But the thing was, he like 
started trying he like started one-upping everybody every joke that we told and he started like doing almost a a monologue of uh you know being funny and talking about stuff and uh you know kind of presenting his way as the as the normative way and isn't it funny how you guys like really old stuff you know you obviously have never listened to hip-hop and it just went on and on it was like i thought dude you could have being a neighbor, he was a likable guy, and he could have worked his way into the group, actually. He could have been a welcome member of that group the next time we got together. Yeah. But now there's no way he's coming back, because he just, he he thought, he was so, unco- and I know what was going on, he was so uncomfortable in his own skin, that if he wasn't the life of the party, he didn't know how to behave. He, it was hard for him to sit there and listen and and maybe contribute a little bit, but not try to dominate things. That right. wasn't his quote unquote style. Yeah. And and I looked at him, and his job is managing a pizza parlor. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's nice. like he's smart. He's smart. You know, he might be the smartest guy in the room and all this stuff, but he doesn't have a high powered career. He's not going anywhere. Um, he hasn't got a lot of really good friends, and I'm right. sure he sits up late at night scratching his head thinking. Uh, you know, why don't people like me? I'm funny. Yes, you are. I'm smart. Yes, you are. I've I've got a lot to say. Yes, you do. And you never let anybody forget it, you know. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it's that it's that incremental thing of the way you build a relationship. I, I've had, you know, one, 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 one other uh, uh, example, and then I'll stop on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halbert and I used to, you know, when we were on stage, we used to eviscerate each other on stage. We, we were trying to, we'd pull practical jokes. We're always trying to make the other guy lose his train of thought or, or sputter or laugh so hard that he spit up coffee through his nose or whatever. That, that was our, our shtick, you know. Yeah. And at breaks, until we started telling people to leave us alone during breaks, invariably at every single seminar there would be that guy who would come up at the break while Gary and I were chatting about something and walk up and just insult me or Gary or say something awful and, and then stand back and smile and, and in his mind he's thinking see I'm just like you guys I'm one of the group I'm right. you know I'm an insider no you're not in fact you know it's like I can call Gary a, a dick but if you call him a dick I'm going to hit you right and it, it, that is so obvious to me that you don't yeah. You can't just say, I want to be a member of your inside group, so here I am. I'm a member, right? No, you're not. You know, even the members didn't get there that way. It's a slow, agonizing process. Yeah. Um, where yeah. you've got to, you know, you got to you got to balance. Don't suck up, but don't be insulting. Don't, um, you know, don't, don't try to prove your worth as something without understanding what that worth is could be in this other person's world do they really need a better guitarist than you are you know if you're you know I'm, I'm a better guitarist than that guy you've been playing with for 30 years right yeah well that guy is my friend and i'd rather play with him thank you very much than you who seems to be a dick yeah right you may have better licks but you know he knows when i nod that we're going yeah. you know i forgot the lyric and we need to go another round let me right. catch up yeah right it's the history that people don't they think they yes. can just inject themselves into a situation you know, on the other, on the flip side of that, it reminds me of when we moved into the neighborhood we now live in. Uh, there was a poker game that happened occasionally, <laughs> and I made the mistake of of winning uh, on the first time. And, and I and I sincerely am not good at poker, you know. Uh, and I had not played for. I know a long I played time. with you, right? <laughs> you have, and uh, and and I hadn't played for a long time. I, I I honestly just got lucky, and I called a couple people on all ends, and and it went my way. And 
immediately my reputation was, aha, Mr. Uh, Mr. Does a flush Trump a, a suit, you know, yeah. and, and for, <laughs> I was never invited back. If there, if there has been a poker game since then, I would never know about it, you know? <laughs> so all I had to do was Pariah in the neighborhood now, as far as the garage, yeah, all I had to do was lay low that first game and I could have had a fun thing going, you know, made some friends. But, uh, so it's just about, sometimes you do learn the harsh lesson. So I think that the second part of that, like you say, is, you know, it's okay to miscalculate a few times in your life, and but you got to be able to read reactions. To me, that's that's sort of the bigger rep killer, right? If you just never seem to get it, like like you said about the the, the pizza shop guy, you know, he he's probably never going to understand what's holding them back, and uh, and and that's why. And then it sort of, sort of self perpetuates in this. Well, I'll just I'm, I must not be expressing my intelligence enough. Let me inject more of what I know uh, than other exactly. people, you know. So, yeah. You know, you know it, it, it occurs to me that, the, that what we're talking about is becoming someone that, that people want to hang with, people yeah. feel they can rely on, and they'll trust. And, and everything kind of spring, springs from that. You know, it's like you, you can say to yourself, well, wait, I'm a fun guy that people want to hang on. You can rely on me on, and, and I'll keep your secret. You can say that all you want, but until you've proven it, and it can take some time to prove that. You might have to go through some trials and tribulations, and, and, and it can be a slow process, to be, and you just have to, to have to go with that. You know, you can't just say, I'm a professional and I follow the professional's code. You you have to wake up one day and say, well, it's been several years and I've stuck to the professional's code. I guess I really am a professional. And, you know, it's not about what you say you'll do. It's about what you do. And that takes that takes some time. And you will encounter people trying to knock you off your path. You will pe- find people who mock your idea of having principles like that. And you will find multiple instances where you're sacrificing in order to be loyal to someone else, in order to have earned the trust of, of someone else. And when you violate a trust with somebody, it's just, I don't know, I've known people who just routinely violate the trust, even with just gossip. It's, it's just, it's, it's such a damaging thing on an interpersonal basis. On a professional level, it's a deal killer. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of businessmen are, you know, believe it or not, are very protective about their their uh, secrets about you know they're they're going to tell you how they make the product how yeah. they sell what their funnel is how how big their lists are you know how the mistakes they've made you know they're going to tell you all this stuff and they have to be able to trust you yeah. with essentially everything that's like they're handing over their soul and heart to you right to, to keep for a while yeah and they're they're putting themselves up for for potential humiliation i mean it's a very vulnerable moment you somebody comes to you for consultation and says, "Look, here's 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 the hole I dug." Yeah, it's not an easy thing to admit, and you're right. I mean, that's that's it, a really good point. And you and I have talked about where does humor belong in in, in different things, and and that's a, a, sort of the bigger picture of that. Yes, be funny. Yes, have personality, but also let it be known what it, what your principles are. And it's these kinds of things that you should write about and talk about if, if you believe them, because those are the things that I think your best clients are going to want to know before they do business with you. 
Yeah, exactly. And that actually sounds like a good wrap up for this. So we don't want to don't want to go too far into it. If, if any of this is news to you, <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. um, you may want to reconsider your choice of, of careers. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not that tough to do this stuff. The tough part is to actually nail it down. To just say, I, you know, yesterday I may not have been very trustworthy. From today to through the rest of my life, I will strive to become worthy of the trust that that people place in me, and I'll do that through action, not through talking about mm, it. So that's great. And yeah. I'll be a productive asshole <laughs> <laughs> and a less boring doofus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great stuff, John. Uh, enjoyed it as always, and look forward to the next one. Uh, everybody, come see us. Do two things for me. Uh, for us, please, we always want you to come over to the website at pi4mm.com. Uh, we love to see your comments and engage with you there. We, we read and respond to every comment. That's part of what makes this podcast different and special, I believe, is that is the interaction. Right. Uh, but we also would really appreciate if you would head over to iTunes and become a subscriber to this show because this is how we measure success in the world of podcasting. And uh, we really appreciate if you could leave a review and rate the show. We know it's a bit of a pain in the ass to log in and do all those things, but... Uh, it would mean a lot to us if you're a fan of the show, if you get value from it, if we move the needle into the positive side of your life, uh, please just head over there, log in, give us a rating, a review, and subscribe to our show. And uh, if you don't, we will hunt you down and eat you. <laughs> <laughs> we will label you a gossiping <laughs> boar for life. All right. Thanks, John. Talk to you next time. Okay. Bye-bye.